uh, with the time I have left, you know, uh, it's going to be hard to get through anything in Romans. So today, it pains me to tell you this, but we're going to take a one-week pause in Romans uh, because there is no way to get through chapter 11 in uh, the amount of time that I have left. And so what I'd like to do is walk through the biblical understanding of an Acts model for church membership and leadership. And why, why I'm doing this is because it's a special morning. And you see a lot of life in the church this morning. You see the ordination of deacons. And, and really, I would like to walk through why there are deacons, why there are elders, why there is a devoted church body that gathers together. And I think the best way to do that is to walk through Scripture in Acts. So if you have your Bibles, Acts chapter 2 is where we're going to begin. And we'll see the church that is birthed there in Acts chapter 2. First thing is the local church is a gathered people filled with the presence of the Holy Spirit. That is a remarkable statement. That the local church is not just a bunch of people in a room sitting in pews. It is a gathered body of believers who are filled with the Holy Spirit. The third member of the Trinity. As we see that the church's birth, these verses up here, the, uh, the reference is wrong, but the verses are correct. Acts chapter 2, I will begin in verse 1. Go 1 through 6 and then pick up in 36 through 41. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven, and at the sound of the multitude came together, and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. The Spirit was descending on them as they were all together in one place. Verse 36, after Peter preaches about Christ, he says this, Let all of the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. We see the church is birthed at Pentecost. What's so unique about this is that Pentecost was pretty much the 50th day after the Passover. And so we see that Pentecost, this Feast of Weeks, was a celebration of the first fruit, the, the wheat harvest. And it was also a celebration of the giving of the Mosaic Law. Now, if we take this idea, we can see that Jesus Christ was the Lamb who was slain to take away the sins of the world, and it happened at Passover. We see that that also goes along with the exodus of the Passover that happened there. So they would say that 50 days later, their law was given, and so there was a people who were formed. Well, 50 days later, not the law was given, but the Holy Spirit was given, and this gives us reference to the new covenant that is mentioned in Jeremiah chapter 31, 
31 through 33. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after these da those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. This is the birth of the church. It is a people who are gathered together who are filled with the Holy Spirit. This is the promise that was given. Not that we're given a law to follow, but we're given his own presence in our hearts that writes the law on them, on our hearts. John Calvin said the Holy Spirit is the bond by which Christ effectually unites us to himself. This is the church. The church in the Greek is the word ekklesia, which means out of or from. The root word is a form of the verb kaleo, which means to call. Thus, ekklesia means those who are called out ones. Simply put, the invisible church, the true church, is composed of those who are called by God, not only outwardly, but inwardly by the Holy Spirit. This is what we see take place in Acts chapter 2. Church was a place where they gathered together as the called out ones, where the Holy Spirit was filling them and changing them from the inside out. Martin Lloyd-Jones says, Those who have received the Holy Spirit are aware of a power dealing with them and working in them. A disturbance, something, someone interfering in their lives. We're going along and suddenly we're arrested, pulled up, and we find ourselves different. That is the beginning. That is what always happens when the Holy Ghost begins to work in a human being. There is a disturbance, an interruption to the normal, ordinary tenor of life. There is something different, an awareness of being dealt with. I cannot put it any better. That is the essence of the Holy Spirit dealing with us. The church is a gathered body of believers who are filled with the Spirit, and the Spirit is dealing with us from the inside. This means that we are a body of believers who are dealing with the conviction of the Spirit in our lives. As he says there in verse 37, Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. It began with repentance and baptism and the church was gathered together under the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Repentance, we see, is more than regret. Repentance is a change. Regret wants to get rid of the consequences of sin, but repentance wants to get rid of the sin. Regret is self-focused. I need to fix me, but repentance is God-focused. God, I need you to change me from the inside out. The church was birthed when the Holy Spirit showed up and people said, I need you to change me from the inside out. As we gather together today, we gather together as a people united by the Holy Spirit, listening to his conviction. The second thing we see is the local church is a gathered people devoted to the preaching of God's word and to the fellowship of the saints. Verses 42 through 47 in, there in uh, chapter 2. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and the breaking of bread and to the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, 
praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. So as the church was birthed, they became devoted. This idea of devotion is an ongoing striving for spiritual growth and strength. As the church gathers together, filled with the Holy Spirit, it gathers together with the purpose of being devoted towards spiritual growth. As we're here today, we're here not just to shake hands and smile at one another and say, I'm doing fine, doing fine, doing good. How about yourself? We're here for the purpose of God to grow us more and more into the image of Christ. And he does that through the preaching of his word. That's what they were devoted to from the very beginning was the the preaching of God's word, because God's word is what actually changes us more and more in sanctification. Steve Lawson says, doing God's work, God's way requires an unwavering commitment to the primacy of biblical teaching, preaching and teaching. The early church experienced spiritual vitality, not because of gimmicky techniques, but because it focused on the priority of biblical teaching. There's a lot of things we can do to entertain, but that's not the purpose of the church. The purpose of the church was to be birthed, to be filled with the Spirit, to be convicted of the sin that's in our life, and then to devote ourselves to the teaching and the preaching of God's Word so that we could see the change take place within our hearts. See, Christ-centered expositional preaching is crucial to the local church because God's Word is what convicts, converts, builds up, and sanctifies God's people. Now, if you're a member here, I, I hope that you have been able to tell that it has been our focus to have exegetical Christ-centered expositional teaching that we desire and we long for God's word to mold us and shape us and change us and I pray that if you are not a member and you're looking for a church that you would find a church that holds this word to be the central thing for gathering together this is what matters we we can do all kinds of entertainment but God's word is what really matters when you get together as a local church why Well, Hebrews 4.12 says the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning of thoughts and the intentions of the heart. Why do we preach God's word? Because it is alive and it is active. 1 Thessalonians 2.13, and we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as words of men, but as what it really is, the word of God which is at work in you believers. The word of God is at work in those who are devoted to gathering together as the local church. So an Acts model for church membership and leadership gathers and grows under two areas of devotion. The first area is Christ-centered teaching. We gather together for Christ-centered expositional teaching of God's word. Number two, Christ-centered fellowship, that we would be a family of believers that we would understand the grace that God's given us by allowing us to be a family of believers together. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, it is grace, nothing but grace that we are allowed to live in a community with Christian brothers and sisters. This morning is a gift. This gathering is a gift of God's grace. Church gathering is a gift of his grace towards believers that should not be neglected. Hebrews 10, 23 through 25. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another 
and all the more as you see the day drawing near. What a gift of grace God has given us to be a devoted people filled with the Spirit, striving for sanctification with one another. So therefore, the local church is a gathered people who pursue unity by promoting deacons and functioning under a plurality of elders. As we see, time goes on, and there's disturbances that take place in the church, even the early church. Even the early church had problems. Isn't that amazing? But the unity of the church is the key for the purpose of the church. When the church is unified, Christ is best glorified. If the church gets a reputation of being full of disunity, full of gossip, full of slander, full of hatred, it doesn't have much of a, a, a means of glorifying God in the community, does it? This is why Jesus prayed for the unity of those who would believe. And so what takes place in Acts chapter 6, if you want to skip over a couple chapters, Acts chapter 6, we see that there's a disturbance that takes place. There's actually some complaints, maybe some grumbling that was going on. In Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 4, Now in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve the tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the Holy Spirit and of wisdom whom we will appoint to this duty, but we will devote ourselves to the prayer and to the ministry of the word. You see what takes place is there is some disunity, some complaining that is happening because of two things that's going on. There's rapid church growth that is taking place in the early church. It's growing beyond these apostles' ability to manage all the different needs that are taking place in the congregation and the people. And there's rampant church grumbling. There was a complaint that arose, and that that complaint became so vocal that the apostles had to gather up all the brothers and have a meeting. And when they gathered up all the brothers, they said, this is, this is what we're going to do. We're going to appoint seven men that can be men who serve, men who serve in a way that unite the body. And so we are going to serve in a way that brings unity, even under spiritual attack. Here's what I've seen in all of my years all my years, right? I'm so old, right? And that sounded like, oh, all my years. I've seen that when the church is growing, the church will be attacked. And there's three ways that the church gets attacked. One of those ways is from outside. Persecution. The persecution of the saints. That's an outside attack. We see it in various parts of the world. We see it. But there's two other ways that the church is attacked, and these are way more prevalent. Pollution of the saints with accepted sin. We see in our day that the church is being polluted by a love of the world. And we see that it's coming in and it's causing disunity in the body. We see that it's not holding people to what scripture says, but it's beginning to hold people to what culture says. Pollution of the saints with accepted sin that church members then don't hold each other accountable for the sins that are in their life and they allow it to go rampant. But then there's also the perversion of the saints with inner turmoil. It's when the believers begin to not be unified about things, but they begin to grumble about things. They begin to complain about things. And it all begins with a simple, you know what I think. I think we should be doing more of this. Don't you think we should be taking care of this? I didn't get my needs met. Don't you think 
And so as those things begin, they begin with logistic problems that might turn into sin problems. In fact, many church problems are not sin problems originally. They are logistic problems that cause grumbling and complaining amongst members who then feed and generate a gossip problem that becomes a sin problem in the life of the local church. Therefore, deacons are commissioned to keep the unity of the church, to serve legitimate physical needs of the church members and support the continued ministry of the word because the apostles said, we can't stop preaching the word because the word comes first. Therefore, deacons are promoted to an office of leadership in the church that serves the families with two main areas, helping works and harmonizing words. As I was speaking with the men who were coming on the deacon board, I said, listen, these two areas, one area is the most obvious, helping works. The church is going to look to you for physical needs. The church is going to look to you to to get your hands dirty. The church is going to look for you to serve in areas that it's just physically we can tell that, oh, the deacons are serving in this area. The deacons are serving in this area. They're filling this need. They're filling this need. But harmonizing words does more for the unity of the body than anything else. And so these men are to be shock absorbers, as one pastor put it. They're to take the shock of the, the, the grumblings and they're to, they're to reflect harmonizing words back towards the body to bring unity. Listen, we're, we're in this together. We're a family. This is why deacons were promoted to the office. As time went on, Acts chapter 15, we see that there are another group that comes into the church. When they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and the elders. And they declared that all that God had done to them. Now the church was there, the membership was there, the apostles were there, the ones who had face-to-face contact with Jesus who were originally leading the church. And now there's elders there as they're beginning to hand off the leadership role of teaching to elders. We see this in Acts 21, 17. When they had come to Jerusalem, the brothers, the church, received us gladly. On the following day, Paul went with uh, with us to James, and all the elders were present. We see as this transition takes place that the church in Acts 2 was founded. It was founded by devoted followers of Jesus who were devoted to the apostles' teaching, who were devoted to one another and gathering together in fellowship. And as time went on, needs arose. The apostles then had devoted members select seven men who would become the first deacons to serve the church. And then we see as it further develops, as they are going out and they are doing the mission of the church, they're handing off the leadership of the church, the local church, to elders, a plurality of elders. And that is why Paul would say to Titus in 1.5, this is why I left you in Crete, so that you might put what remained into order and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. We are a biblically led church as we seek to be an elder-led church here at Metaview. And a biblically faithful church is a gathered people who pursue unity by promoting deacons and functioning under the plurality of elders. Lastly, the local church is a gathered people who preach Jesus and practice the ordinances. Preach Jesus and practice the ordinances. As church members and as followers of Jesus Christ, you get to help preach Jesus, not just the elders. The elders may do it from up here, but you get to preach Jesus all week long. As you leave these walls, you go out as missionaries into this world, into a dark world as lights that get to preach Jesus Christ and Him crucified. 
And one of the ways we do that is by the ordinances. The ordinances, one being baptism, as baptism is that initial sign that you are no longer who you were, but you have been transformed, that you were once fully immersed with salvation, that you have been buried with him in baptism, risen with him in newness of life, that you have said that I want you to be Lord of my life and I no longer want to live the way I did. I repent of my sin and now I want to show an outer sign that I am identified with Christ. That's baptism. That's the ordinance. There's an ongoing ordinance, though, for the members of the church. It is to partake in the Lord's Supper. It is to take the body and the blood. And it is to proclaim his death until he returns. And this is what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11, 18 through 28. For in the first place, when you come together as a church, they came together. The church still comes together. I hear that there are divisions among you. Even after there's deacons that come in, there's still divisions. He says, I believe in part, for there must be factions among you in order that those who are genuine among you may be recognized. Not everyone who comes to church is the church. And there will be times when the believers who have given their life to Christ will look different than those who haven't. And one of those instances is in the partaking of the Lord's Supper, that those who have received Christ receive him again through the ordinance of the Lord's Supper. Those who have not received Christ, that, that's not what they do yet. When you come together, is not the Lord's table that you eat. For in eating, each one goes ahead with his own meal. One goes hungry, another gets drunk. What? Do you not have houses to eat in and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I commend you in this? No, I will not. Paul gives a house cleaning direction to the church that gathered at Corinth. That when you come together, you take the body and the blood, the bread and the juice, and you do it together in an orderly fashion so that you are unified in your proclamation of who Jesus Christ is. 